Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. This week we're talking all things youth ministry. We love getting feedback from you guys and so many times we get questions about how we structure our youth ministry and our small groups. So we put together a couple segments to help answer those questions. To start, Jordan Boyce sits down with Peter Toggs from Hillsong Young and Free to talk about keeping youth ministry fresh and fun. It's practical and powerful. You're definitely going to want to take notes on this one. After that, Jordan speaks on Awakening's five keys to leading a successful small group. We hope this is helpful for you. Take a listen. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jordan Boyce. I'm here with Pastor Peter Toggs from Hillsong Youth, and uh, you're over the whole thing over there, huh? Yeah, when it comes to big picture things, I oversee that because we're a multi-campus church. Ah. Uh, we all report to our campus pastors, but when it comes to big picture, yeah, that's what I oversee. That is awesome. Yeah. Can you give me a, uh, a brief history of Hillsong Youth? Um, well, Hillsong Youth, uh, from what I know, has always been around. I've been at church since I was you know, five years old. So it has been around for Man, close to 30 years. And uh, it has been in the hands of some of the greats, some of the legends. And then it was passed on to me. And uh, it has evolved into just um, over the years into something that has been incredible. I mean, today I look around and a lot of our pastors came from our youth ministry. It's awesome. And uh, it's just insane to see that what the youth ministry can be, you know. It's right. a leadership factory. And, right. Uh, right. Um, but it's been around for a long time. It's looked different. It's met in warehouses. It's met in small little rooms. And uh, now it meets in, you know, big church buildings and everything like that. Awesome. And uh, it's incredible. Today, like, we started off with just one campus and everything. Today mm-hmm. we have campuses over... Uh, three states in Australia, amazing. and I'm just talking about Australia, right. you know, and uh, you know, it comes in all different shapes and sizes, and it's, it's unreal, man, where it's at now. You've just kind of gone through a changeover of some degree with Hillsong Youth in, in the birth of Hillsong Young and Free. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about the movement of Hillsong Young and Free and, you know, the band the, and, you know, everything yeah. else around yeah, yeah. it? Um, well, first of all, my wife uh, and I took over from our previous youth pastors, um, and it was incredible. Our, our youth ministry had been through all different seasons and that, and uh, um, we had basically just been past the baton to take it on, you know. And um, we were there at one summer camp uh, in 2011 or 2012, I can't remember. And my wife, Laura, Laura Toggs, um, she actually just felt God speak to her and arrest something in her heart about mm-hmm. um, just a new thing mm-hmm. and a new sound and raising up this next generation, um, you know, of, of, of worship, yeah. but also just an identity with our youth ministry. Wow. And uh, what confirmed it is actually Pastor Judah Smith really? was speaking at the time at summer camp. Laura's having this feeling, you know, like this God speaking to her and Judah Smith at the end of his message, is prophesying over us the exact same thing that Laura's talking about. He's talking about a new things coming this youth ministry, a, a, a new flow. And, um, and um, anyway, long story short, um, Laura has this on her heart, goes to her dad, who is Pastor Brian, and, uh, you know, the big chief, the big eagle, goes, <laughs> big you know, dad. And we, we approached him and said, this is what we've got on our heart. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he's been incredible, Pastor Bobby and Pastor Brian, or Pops and Grammy, as we like to call them. Um, <laughs> just threw their full weight behind it. Right. And um, a lot of people will reduce Young and Free to, you know, a band mm-hmm. or, a, and it is that, and, and it, it's an expression. It's expression of this generation, mm-hmm. but it's more than that. It's a message, it's a movement, because there was a time in our youth ministry we went through where it was very, 
like emotional and it was very, like people walked out probably more with more problems than they did knowing that they can find joy and, and yeah. freedom in Christ Jesus, which you talked about tonight, right. Right. which was incredible. Thank you. And uh, it just come out of that and going, you know what? Our youth ministry will be known and have a signature of joy across it. You know, I found that you know, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Mm-hmm. And anyway, long story short, a, a sense of liberty and freedom came out of our youth ministry when we declare that. And something new of an identity yep. um, happened in our youth ministry. And yep. we have never been the same since. Wow. And something is happening. Something is exploding in our youth ministry. Yep. But it's awesome to see what's happening throughout the world as as well, you know. Because and um I don't want to leave youth ministry for the next 30 years because I want to see what happens. You, you, know? and, me, you and me both, man. Yeah, you so, and me both. Sorry, that's a long answer to no, a short so question. No, it's so good. But I, what I love that you said about Pastor Brian is he threw his full weight behind this yeah. thing. What do you think, you know, for youth pastors and for senior pastors that might be watching this, what do you think, um, what do you think the importance is for a senior pastor to get behind a youth ministry, to put some value on a youth ministry? You know, the way I, I, I think and something I believe every youth pastor should do is it's not about the senior pastor getting behind the youth ministry's vision. It is about the youth ministry getting behind the senior pastor's vision. It's and, brilliant. you know, we don't have a youth vision. We don't have a youth mission statement. Our vision is our senior pastor's vision. Our mission statement is his mission statement. Where we're going is where he's going. And we just make that we tailor it to youth. We tailor it to, you know, teenagers and everything. But um, we've always said that the church doesn't exist to build the youth. The youth exists to build the church. And, and I love it because I've heard Pastor Brian even say that the youth ministry is a leadership factory. That's awesome. You know, and you look around the world today with our global lead pastors, our campus pastors, our they've all come out of the youth ministry. And uh, it's a blessing to see that. I know I'm not naive to the fact, it's not like that everywhere Mm -hmm. um, in terms of other churches and that, but we've been blessed to have a a senior pastor that absolutely 100% believes um, in the next generation, in this generation. And um, I guess it was an easy thing for him to go, let's let's do it, you know? What do you think about, because you're talking about the importance of joy, fun. Where does that fit in your everyday youth ministry, fun, excitement, happiness, even yeah, yeah. joy, because Young and Free has that. You guys embody that. You know, it's in the band. It's in, you know, uh, it's in the night that we just had. It's in your youth ministry. What do you think for other youth ministries? Should that be a priority? How could they make it a priority? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I was saying before, I absolutely think youth ministry should be a place that is fun, but just not just fun, because anyone can create fun, mm-hmm. but just a place of joy. And a place where young people walk away feeling like they can take on the world, feeling like they've believed in, feeling like, man, every time I come here, I leave better than I came in. And uh, and you know what I've worked out as a youth pastor, and I was saying this to you today, but um, young people won't so much remember what you say, they'll remember how you made them feel. And I just think if we can create an environment that young people feel accepted, mm-hmm. they feel belonging, they feel identity in knowing who they are. I think you tick all the boxes to what creates an environment for a young person to grow up in the house of God in. And, um, you know, and, and I've been in seasons, and I've been to other youth ministries and everything like that, and it can be intense and it mm-hmm. can be like, mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. Like Braveheart. Yeah, and you gotta understand it. Yeah, totally. And I'm all about that. Right. And I'm all about the rip your shirt off and <laughs> go right. crazy. Right. 
But, you know, young people today, they're, they're a different breed. They're a lot smarter. Yep. They've got all the information they need right. on their phone. They've got all the entertainment they need mm. at their phone. Mm. They've got all the quotes and all the preaching at their phone because anyone can Twitter a quote. You're right. Like you were saying today, you know. Right. And why do they need to go and create something? I think youth ministries, we need them today. We need gatherings of high school students because yeah. the reality is young people, they're, they're being told what to do from everyone. So their parents... Mm-hmm. They're an authority figure. They're teachers. They're an authority figure. Mm-hmm. Cops, the police, whatever. They're an authority figure. How cool for a young person to come and not have an authority figure, but have someone that leads beside them and goes, you know what? You can do it. Comes down to their level and believes in them and mm-hmm. accepts them and takes them to the next level. You know, we need the authority figures, no doubt. But Definitely. I think young people need someone that can just believe in them mm-hmm. and accept them and keep pointing them to where they need to go, you know? So... Wow. I hope I answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) You absolutely did. Uh, I think the question a lot of youth pastors want to know, because they ask me and I have no idea, what are tribal wars and how do you do them? Oh, right. And why do you do them? (laughs) Okay. How do you answer this? I know it's a big one. If this is the number one question I get asked everywhere we go, it's not how great the songs were. It's not anything. It is, dude, what is tribal wars and how do you do them? You know, one of Long, I'm going to try and do a short answer. Okay. We created Tribal Wars in our youth ministry because we wanted to make sure that every person felt included mm-hmm. in our youth ministry. When a new person comes along, I've seen it time and time again. They come in and they stand at the back because it's unfamiliar. They don't know what's going on, you know. Tribal Wars is an icebreaker. It's a bring down the walls type of thing because I've seen young people stand up the back what's going on Mm -hmm. and then you know we're like all right we need one person from each tribe we have tribes which is basically you know a place to represent its teams right it's teams from different cities different schools i've seen uh, new people at the back and then it's like mcs on stage like we need one person from each tribe and the goal and the point of tribal wars is to get that new person involved in the tribal wars awesome and then like the tribal leader up the front would be like yeah the back they'll come down you know, and I've seen young people go from this to by the end of the tribal wars, they're cheering with people they don't even know. They're like, ah! next thing we transition into praise and worship and they're up front. Wow. Because barriers have come down, wow. walls have come down. And um, that's that's the heart of tribal wars. It's not just something we do. It's, right. it's, it's an icebreaker for people it's to include people, it's to focus people, it's for young people to be a part of something, be a part of a tribe, mm-hmm. belong to something, you know, mm-hmm. belong to a color, belong to a emblem I don't know whatever mm-hmm. you know right just creating a sense of ownership mm-hmm. um, but then tribal wars just looks different in all areas we, we create this thing called Job's Boil which is like a 15 year old game that Phil Dooley and his merry men uh, invented and yeah. we've used it ever since where you run up this big gym mat ball looking thing you got to try and pop a balloon and we've got some footage on it and everything like that. it's just insane and yeah. it looks different different shapes and sizes yeah awesome it, it's safe absolutely 100% safe yeah just to make it clear so <laughs> <laughs> <Without a> doubt. <laughs> no that's yeah, yeah that's awesome and then did you do you run it all year and then like does it culminate at camp or conference or? yeah we, we we try and keep it in in our youth ministry week in week out so you know some of our age groups and that don't do it every week because mm-hmm. it's not needed every week you right know? we have other ways of ice breaking and including people um but at our big events we love to do it at summer camps mm-hmm. which is just a whole new oh it is incredible right. um and then at our young and free conference which is in july we love to do tribal tribal wars there because it's just insane. And people, the cool thing is, and what I love is that 
people travel from all over the world to see what is this tribe wars thing and then they turn up and they go that's it is and it's like yeah we made this out of nothing you know we didn't hire anything we made this from sticks and you know nothing so it's awesome to see yeah. that shock factor going wow we can translate this back home so, oh that, that's awesome yeah Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think um, it's cool to see what lengths these kids will go to mm. for their tribe, too. Yeah. I, like, like, like during worship, the kid might be like this. During preaching, the kid might be like this. But when you put that kid in a tribe, yeah. it unlocks like an animal in them, yeah. which is really cool. Absolutely. And that's what we want is that yeah. for them to feel a part of something. Right. Because it's the best when someone's about to go in troubles and they've got their whole tribes. Right. Like their whole tribe backing them, cheering it's the them. the greatest on. feeling in you the know, world. You know, like going crazy for yeah. them. Like, joy. Jordan. This kid just feels like, oh my goodness, I've never been in anything. And we see some of the most That's awesome. unathletic That's awesome. kids yeah. get in the first game ever, yeah. you know, get active probably for the first time. Right. They've sat behind Warcraft behind a computer. Yeah. And then to see him get into this tribal challenge and the whole, t- like, man. It's awesome. Only in youth. Absolutely. ministry. And I think that's, that's what it's about. Championing young people. So I love it. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. That is so good. Yeah. Um, how do you build a culture of worship among your youth? Yeah. You know, this is something that I'm continually on the journey on, and I'm not a master at it. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I was looking at you tonight, and I'm like, that's why this place, because the, the atmosphere tonight in your youth ministry was absolutely the best, one of the best places I've ever been in. And I think that's credit to you because I think a community is a reflection of its leadership, Mm. you know, and people jump around. And I I was looking at, you know, your congregation, looking at your young people going crazy, but then I was looking at you in the corner going just as crazy as them. (laughs) And I'm like, I love it. And you know, something I always hear our senior pastors say, that you need to be the culture. You can't teach it. Wow. People got to catch it. And I think it comes through example. And something I'm always trying to do is set an example that it's not a time to just be on my phone. It's right. not a time just to do some Christian karaoke. Mm. It's a time to engage with God because worship changes us. Yeah. You know, it changes us. And I love seeing, because I think you answered your own question tonight, is just seeing you go crazy. That's why we saw tonight to be one of the best nights I've ever been a part of. You need to come and check out Awakening Night, Awakening Conference. It's insane. The atmosphere was electric. Awesome. But it comes down to example. And I think you create it through um, example and being what you want your people to be, you know? Yeah. And um, it's something I'm continually on the journey of going, making sure, because you can't tell people to raise their hands. You mm. can't tell people to sing. You've got to be that. Right. You know? Right. And, and young people, they'll do what they see. Right. You know, always, and they'll mirror what they see, and I'm going to create an image for them to reflect. Going, this is not how we worship, but this is who we're worshiping. Because when you realize who you're worshiping, you, you'll know how to. You'll know how to get undignified. You'll know how to get crazy. You'll know how to let loose because you understand. Hold on, I'm not just worshiping a celebrity. I'm worshiping Jesus Christ, right. the Savior of the world, the one that saved me in my sin, the one that you know mm-hmm. made it all right for me. That's when you see a culture of worship. But I, honestly, my short answer is that I think it just comes down to example, which you do so well. That's so, so good. Thank you, so man. Real. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. One last thing yeah. you would say to uh, an up-and-coming youth leader or an up-and-coming you know, youth pastor, what is one thing uh, you would say they need to have in the forefront as a value? Uh, you know what? And maybe this is not the answer you're looking for, but I just think 
Don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> so good. Don't take yourself too seriously. That's because, so good. Um, you know, youth ministry is the funnest place and the greatest place that you will learn a lot of things, but also understand um, you're going to have some tough ones and some tough nights. Mm-hmm. You're going to have young people tell you they don't want to come anymore. You're going to have parents shouting down your throat. You're going to have, you know, your senior pastor telling you, You've broken this. Right. It's coming out of youth ministry right. budget, which there is zero. No, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I just, I have learned, you know what? Don't take, don't take yourself too seriously. So good. There's always next week. It's water off a duck's back, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best. No one laughs at my jokes. I'm gonna laugh at it right. with my team, and we're gonna have the sickest, funnest time. We're gonna create memories. We're gonna create stories. Mm-hmm. And as much as we kind of sometimes break the rules, and as we kind of break things and whatever, it creates the best stories and yeah. greatest memories. I want my young people to look back at their time in youth ministry, because youth ministry is a season, right. and go, that was the most memorable time. Remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? Remember when Togs did this? Remember when you know Jordan did that? And just having memories, yeah. great childhood memories that mm-hmm. they can you know, pass on to their young people and yeah. everything. And I just think for any upcoming youth pastor or any upcoming um, leader, don't take yourself too seriously. God brings the growth and growth will happen because, you know, God is building his church. Do what you need to do. Call the young people, follow up the young people, but also have fun in it. I've seen too many serious youth pastors mm. and I just think, man, have fun with the young people. Go play some basketball with them. Absolutely. You don't have to be behind your pulpit, writing up your message all the time. Right. Go and hang out. Take them to a movie, disciple them. But I don't know. Right, that's that's what we do in Australia. I love it because that's a youth pastor job. They're like, what do you right. do? I'm like, I take them to movies. Right. I go play basketball with them. That's about it. <laughs> that's my job. Best <laughs> that's job in the world. Best job in the world. Absolutely, yeah, man. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. For all of this. Thanks. If you want to check out more interviews and all that, follow uh, Pastor Togs. What, what's, your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Peter Togs. So simple. Peter Togs. <laughs> follow him on Twitter and uh, keep up with everything that Hillsong Youth is doing. Obviously, they're an unbelievable example. I believe an example that God has given the church uh, internationally, not just in worship, but truly in youth ministry. So follow him. Check out hillsongyouth.com, all that they're doing, and any other interviews on Leadership Collective. Got a ton of stuff on here, so click away. Five keys to have a successful small group, or if you want to title this a different way, small groups that don't suck. Five keys to having a successful small group. The goal is you being a great small group leader. Now, if you're going to be a small group leader now, this will help you right now. If you're going to be a small group leader five years from now, this will help you five years from now. If you're going to be a small group leader from now till five years from now, this will help. I believe if you're here, you should be a small group leader. That's my goal. If you are sitting in this room, I believe you should be a small group leader at some point in your life. And here's the five things I would love to see out of you and in your small group. Number one, the best small groups I've ever met, they are consistent small group leaders. Be consistent. In a world of inconsistency, in a world of broken promises, in a world of instantaneousness, consistent leadership is far better than sexy leadership. Consistent leadership is far better than glorified leadership. Consistent leadership is needed in a very inconsistent world. If you could be there week after week, even if they're not. If you can be in a good attitude, even if they're not. If you can have the small group, even when they don't show up. If you can be consistent, you can at least model to them that there is a bedrock somewhere, and it's not you, but it is the word of God, and you will be there sitting there. Some of the kids from uh, my past small groups in, in our youth 
ministry know. Even if you got to leave and you got to go through that thing, go ahead. But I pray that you know, like the prodigal son, when you come to yourself, say, my father's house, even the servants had it better than this. In other words, the father's still there, the house is still there, and the servants are still there. I want these young people to know, no matter what you go through, we'll still be here, we'll still be serving, we'll still be faithful, good, bad, and everything in between. Consistency is what's needed right now out of you as a leader. Awakening has a saying, crew comes first, and I totally believe it. Before your hair appointment, before your aunt's birthday party, before prom, I don't know, <laughs> crew comes first. Never, ever cancel. Let me give you just a little uh, nugget of ministry. When you cancel once, you cancel for eternity. When it snows once, people think new life of 29 years is over. They close the doors. It's a, I refuse to use the word cancel with awakening conference. We're going to pause it. We're going to put a, 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 you know, a, an apostrophe. Is that, is that the correct punctuation mark? A comma? <laughs> I didn't do well in language arts. I don't even know what an apostrophe is. A dash. I, I refuse to use the word cancel, and people are writing the comments. So is it canceled? I'm not answering that. Because if you say canceled, that's it. We never even did it. It's off the map. No, no, it's not canceled. It's paused. But let me tell you, when you cancel a small group meeting, for, no, for some dumb reason, you have lost those kids. That's it. You got to go round them up like wild horses over the scattered plains. Good luck. I don't know. Just thought of it from Red Dead Redemption. I don't know what's going on. Crew comes first. Never, ever cancel because you need to be consistent. They can depend on you. If your small group isn't consistent, I'm talking about the meeting place, the day, it switches, it's all around, always rescheduling. Your group won't be consistent. And an inconsistent group, we have another name for it. It's a failing group. You'll feel like a failure and never know. It's just because you cancel once a month. You think, well, I only cancel, you know, every few weeks here and there. I know, but it's inconsistent, which can never give time to grow. Man, you need to hear Pastor's Elevate talk last night. But his number one point was that consistency over a long period of time leads to growth. Leads to growth. This is true of life, and it is true in small groups. And I don't just mean growth numerically, although that's true, but growth in their lives. They need you to be consistent first, and in that, it gives it an opportunity for it to flourish, for it to flourish. Number two, communicate incessantly. Communicate incessantly. This is one of the few places in your life I would advocate you being, uh, you know, you texting nonstop. And if any of you have had a healthy small group, especially ones with junior hires, you know your phone goes day and night. But I would say that's a positive. Communicate incessantly. Now, the worst small group leaders are the, are the ones when the only text in their small group, uh, group is where they're meeting and what time once a week. That's the worst small group leaders because that's programmatic. It's impersonal. That's not what you want. You want it to be healthy and organic. You want it to be friendship, not leader, because I'm supposed to be. You want it to be flowing, moving. You want it to be growing. You want memes in that group meet. You want gifts in that group meet. You want dumb jokes. You want a Bible verse right next to something stupid. That's what you want in your group, communicating incessantly. Listen, people want to preach to teenagers at conferences, but they never want to just take them out to a cup of coffee. They don't understand communication just one-on-one. -on -one, it could be far more powerful than preaching at a giant conference. If you could communicate consistently, organically, when I say it organically, I mean uh, real, in a real way to young people, you can change that person's life more than a massive moment at conference. 
In fact, when they recount one of the, some of the impacting moments of their life, they might talk about a cup of coffee at McDonald's that you paid 99 cents for more than they'll talk about Awakening Conference 2014. Communicate with them. You know, I, I think we've got a problem right now in youth ministry, and it, it's, it's creeping maybe even upwards, but it's definitely still in youth ministries. We have a parentless culture. A lot of these kids have um, wards, but maybe not parents, if that makes sense to you. They have people that uh, um, uh, give them clothes and food and a house, but don't give them the keys to living successfully. And I'm not saying you should ever take the place of a parent, absolutely not. But I am saying we have to help these parents in every way possible because our communication can't just be about, you know, uh, impersonal Bible. We got to teach them how to live. We got to take the Bible, we got to apply it to their life because I don't know who else is teaching them how to live. In fact, I think the number one thing raising young people right now is more, more than parents, more than high schools, certainly more than church, is culture. And I think culture has the worst ideas on music, relationships, and politics, and anything that might matter. It's got the worst ideas, and these 14 to 18-year-olds are being raised by iPads instead of parents. And we, as small group leaders, have to come and we have to help these young people. I'm talking specifically about small groups for young people. We have got to help them learn how to live. I know one, one, uh, one guy I met quite a few years ago, he had a small group with junior high guys, and I think he called it like uh, the chivalrous small group. And uh, he was teaching these young men how to be young men. He was teaching them how to tie ties. He was teaching them how to open doors for, for women. He was teaching them how to uh, uh, put together a job a portfolio, a little, little resume. And he was taking them on, on little job interviews. And these kids are only you know, 13 or 14, but he's given these kids the keys to succeed. And it's unbelievable. Now, this guy, now he works in Manhattan at some big firm, and he makes all this money and everything, and, and, and he kind of embodies what success would be like. But he took all that and said, but let me tell you what really matters. And he gave these kids the, the keys to succeed in life as young men of God. That's one of the best small groups I've ever heard of. It really is. It's one of the most impacting small groups I've ever heard of that he's going to help these young men how to be young men of God. That's something that maybe they might never learn anywhere else, any way else, but this guy said, I'm going to communicate the things that really matter. Here's how you dress well. Here's how you carry yourself. Here's how you shake somebody's hand. Here's how you look them in the eye. Here's how you speak. Here's how you enunciate. Here's how you show up early. I mean, by 14, this guy might have set these kids up to have a lot more money in their life because of small group, because of a small group. I can't, I, it's just amazing what you can do. So this means, communicating incessantly means more than one uh, text a week. It means more than, uh, than getting in there with a little thing, going through it, and then getting out of there within 32 minutes. It means more than that. It means finding them at church, sitting together. It means uh, uh, taking them to the mall with you and, and, and having them a part of your life. It means a whole lot more. I'll get into that a little bit more. But it means communicating with them. And let me put it this way. Not communicating to them communicating with them. The worst small group leader is a wannabe preacher. We already got preaching. And he was a lot better than your preaching. It was on Sunday morning. Can you let them talk now? Can you pull it out of them? Now look, I know with teenagers, sometimes it's difficult. So you start with something they want to talk about. I don't know what that would be now. My day, it was Transformers. I don't know what it would be now. You start something they want to talk about. Uh, remember that movie with Shia before he got crazy? <laughs> and then you pull them in and, and steer the conversation like a river that ends up 
with Jesus. This is beautiful. It's poetry up here right now. <laughs> Communicate with the parents. Let me put it this way. You need to meet the parents. And it's always awkward. But you need to meet the parents. Why? Because why should the parents trust you? This kid's going to get in your beat-up 94 Honda Accord. Why should they trust you? How do they know that you're a good driver? And you know what? See, before I used to say, like, parents, like, what's the big deal? Now it's, I'm like, no, I agree. Who the heck is this guy? You need to let them know they should trust you. I remember my parents would only let me drive with Pastor Nate. He was the only person. And it's because he was 16, but he looked like he was, like, 29. And he kind of held himself in good regard. Remember that? It was, and I remember he got a ticket when we went up to Utica. I remember we couldn't tell my parents, or that would have been it. So we were, we were trying to find state, like a state trooper that we knew in the church to get off. He paid the ticket. He paid the ticket. Number three. Number three, a key is you need to invest your time. You need to invest your time. Invest, 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 invest. Not looking for instantaneous results, but looking for something to happen in their heart long term. Invest time. You know, I, I, uh, I had a small group leader when I was a lot younger, and, and uh, I don't know if maybe it was a small group or maybe it was kind of just me and him, but it was an older leader in our youth ministry that decided to kind of spend time with me and mentor me, and he was kind of one of the leaders. And it, and, and it made such a huge impact on my life. I remember uh, he said, hey, on Saturday morning, let's go running. Let's go running at 6 a.m. And I was like, look, no, you know, absolutely not. I wouldn't do that now. I wouldn't do that then. I would never do that. And, uh, but I was like, absolutely, let's go running. You know, let's go. 10 miles, I'm ready. And, uh, and so at 6 a.m. it was raining, and I had my shoes on and everything, but I was in the rain, you know, I was ready to go, and I was just sitting there, and he never showed up for like hours. This was before texting, right? And so that's, that's a terrible thing to say, but this was before texting. So we, there was no communication between him and me. And it's not a sad story. He showed up like three hours later. I didn't care. I was 14. What do I have to do, you know? <laughs> Don't feel bad for me. It's like exciting. And... Uh, and I remember we went running, and he showed me his new Zune he just got. Remember those? And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we were listening to techno. And we're running. And, uh, and I remember he, he, you know, he, he was just a good small group leader. He'd take me out, he'd pay for stuff, buy me a T-shirt, go to Chili's, all stuff. He'd always drop me off at home, you know, and... Um, and he didn't do all that much. He didn't, you know, tell me incredible revelations from the Bible. He never was a great preacher. All this stuff. I mean, he just literally hung out with me. Well, it made such an unbelievable uh, indent in my psyche. I looked up to this guy like he was the ultimate leader of all time. If this guy said something positive about the church, I would take it to the 10th degree in and, and my whole life. Now, he uh, left the church and got mad and backslid and all that stuff, but the, the impact he had on my life was so huge, I still viewed him like he was this unbelievable, can-do-no-wrong leader, you know? And I recently saw him uh, at a restaurant that I, I walked into. I was grabbing food, and, uh, and I instantly locked up. Like, I got starstruck, nervous a little bit, you know? And, and, uh, and I've, I've met some famous people in my day. I don't get that starstruck, mostly because I'm like, who are you? And it's the Boston in me. Whatever. I don't know. You, wait. But, uh, but I, I got like starstruck, and I, I instantly was 14 years old at 6 a.m. waiting for him to come over. And I was like, hey, hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking his hand and stuff. And, uh, and I'm like nervous. I'm, I'm thinking, I hope he thinks I'm cool, like right now. Like, I, hope, 
Like, I'm, what am I wearing? Like, I hope he thinks, you know, and uh, I'm talking to him a little bit. And he's saying, what are you doing right now? And I'm telling him, well, not much. You know, I'm just doing this and that. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got married. Yeah, we got to get on the way. And I'm talking, what are you doing? And he's saying, nothing, you know, absolutely nothing. I'm saying, oh, cool, man, cool. And I'm walking away and I'm thinking like, I'm thinking, man, that guy's the coolest guy in the world. Then it hit me. No, he's not. Like, like, he's like 10 years older than me, and his life has not progressed all that much. And all this time, you know, and he's out of the church, and he's, and he's from relationship to relationship. Not to mock him or anything, but it just showed me how much of an impact a leader could have had on me when I was younger. All these years later, I'm like a pastor of a church, and I'm moving, I'm working, I got married, and I'm thinking, this guy's a great leader over here. I hope my life turns out like his. Why? Because, because that's how much of an impact a small group leader could have on your life. So you might never preach to thousands, but you might have an impact on someone that will. And I'm telling you, it's allotted to you in heaven, but it's also allotted to you on earth. There are some small group leaders like, like Jay Corcoran, Pastor Mike's son, Jay Corcoran. I, I, every time I see him, there's like a deep well of thankfulness that, that rises up. And I always tell Jay, thank you. After every conference, I would text it to Jay and I say, this wouldn't happen without you, Jay. Because he was so uh, much of a good leader to all of us personally. And he was so always there. Now, Jay's never preached to more than 20 people, but he really has preached in front of 6,000 because he's preached through me. The impact you will have on someone will not stop when your small group's done. It will go throughout their whole life. It will enter into their children's lives. Literally, I'm telling you, if you invest enough time into a person, I believe you, if you rescue a teenager, you create a legacy. <laughs> Discipleship won't happen overnight. It took Jesus three years. Don't rush the process and invite him into your life. Invite him into your life. That's what Jesus did. He didn't say, we're going to come over here, you're going to sit down, I'm going to teach you. He said, come, follow me. That's what a good small group leader says. Follow me. We'll go to the mall together. We'll shovel out someone's driveway together. We'll go to the movies together. We'll go to church together. Hang with me. And over a long period of time, may they begin to look like you, and may that be a positive. May that be a positive. Small group leaders, they're there to walk through life with their group, not to solve all their problems, not to be their parents, not to be God to them, but to walk with them. Walk with them. Sometimes it's the most powerful thing you could ever do is just stand with someone in their hour of need. Even if you don't have any words, if you just stand there, you grab their hand, you cry with them, you pray with them, and you hope that God will come through for them. That's some of the most powerful thing you can be, but all, and all it takes is you being there. That's all it takes. That's the prerequisite. That's a prerequisite. Okay, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, uh, well, let me just say a little bit more. I want you to invest time spiritually. Yes, you should pray for them. Yes, you should read a Bible plan with them. You should encourage them. Baptism, serving. You should go to growth track with them. But do it practically too. Spend time with them one-on-one. -on -one. You know what I've noticed? Uh, if you really have something important to talk to, to your small group leader about, take them out and don't talk about it at all. Just go to Chili's or do whatever the heck. And then at the end, when you're going to drop them off, say, let me ask you about something. Now they're open. They know uh, you love them. And now all of a sudden, I'm telling you, some of the best, most impacting conversations I've ever had with young people in our youth ministry or the leaders in our, in our youth ministry is after we hung out right when they're about to leave. I remember one time I was dropping Drew off at his car. It was at Pastor Ron's house. And uh, we began to talk a little bit about worship. And the conversation flowed from one thing to another. And it was, it was late at night. We hung out all day. And, we, you know, we're good friends. But all of a sudden, we started talking about, like, the majesty of God. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit began to descend into the car so heavy. So heavy, me and Drew stopped talking. We sat for 10 minutes, you know. And he began crying. I began crying. No worship on. No Bible. 
No nothing. Just two believers that were with each other after they hung out. The Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, it's a, if you talk to Drew about it, we almost have no words for it. I can't even describe to you. It was such a holy moment in Drew's beat-up truck. And to this day, me and Drew are so close. Drew's still, you know, uh, such a, a great leader at the EG campus. I think it goes back to moments like that. Moments like that. Number four. Number four, keys. All right, I'm, I'm past time, but I'm going to fly through these last two. Reproduce, reproducers. Another way to say that is empower others. Jesus commanded his disciples, Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is Jesus saying? Go and give away what I gave to you. What a good leader does is empower others. Listen, create opportunities for them to engage in leading as soon as you can. Let them start the small group up with a prayer. Let your second uh, text out the location, the time. Begin to pull leadership out of them. You're gonna recognize leadership in others faster than any system could recognize it, any pastor could recognize it, any even team leader could recognize it because you will see it sitting across from you week after week in, in an armchair. And I'm telling you, uh, you're the first line to pull out the gifts God has put deep within people. Empower others. Look for opportunities to empower others. The test of a leader is not how much power they can acquire, but in, in how much power they can give away. How much power, how much authority, how much opportunity can you give away to your small group? That is the goal that every small group leader should have. Give them a shot. Give them a shot. Speak up for them. Go to a team leader and say, I got a kid that would be so good on the Momentum Band. I got a young, a young lady that would be so good at helping New Life kids. I've got a person I think would be so great for ALC. Give them a shot. Stick up for them. Help them along. Push them along if they need to be pushed a little bit. Pull them back a little bit if they need to be pulled back a little bit. But you are really the only one that will know them deeply and be able to help pioneer a path, not just for them, but with them. The goal of a leader is not for you to get more people in your small group and then become a coach of more small groups and then become a director and then become a campus leader. The goal of a leader is to see how much power, how much authority, how much opportunity you can give away to those around you. That's a good leader. That's what Jesus did. He even said, all right, now I'm going to send you out. You've seen me do miracles. Now I'm going to send you out in twos to go do miracles that I've seen. And at the end, Jesus says, now, therefore, go and make disciples. What is this? This is empowering. Go and make disciples. So Jesus, you're the only one that makes disciples. There's us 12. No, now, therefore, I'm giving you the authority to go and make disciples. This is what a small group should be doing. It should be giving others a shot. Ask them to lead prayer. Take them with you on an errand. Say, hey, if you, if you get a little thing, hey, we should go pray for that guy. Come with me. And then they're scared, and you're scared, and everybody's scared. But it's a, it's a great moment. If it goes horribly, it's a great story. If it goes great, it's a, you put it on the praise card. Either way. It's a win-win. Amen, number five, foster friendships. And I, I actually, uh, <laughs> I think this is funny because my example here is Josh Foster. So, uh, but Josh had, had, a, had a great small group. Many of you guys are even in this room, but Josh, you had one of the best examples of, of a friendship-based small group. And, and I, I loved it because it was the weirdest friendship group I've ever seen in the world. You had a Hispanic small group and you're the whitest guy I know. But what I love is just the friendships that came out of that small group. Now, I remember when you started with those guys and some of them were here, I thought there's no way any of these kids are gonna make it. <laughs> they were some hard kids and they were mean. They were angry. I'm looking at you right now, I'm looking at you. But your small group, and now I saw the smile begin to creep up on Andre's face, you know? 
But the greatest thing I loved about that small group and many of our small groups wasn't just those powerful moments at the altar, wasn't just the leaders it produced, what the friendships it produced. Now, years later, when the small group's no, more, no longer meeting weekly, there's still deep friendships that, are, that exist within the church. And may they continue for many years. And may the children of them begin to exist within the friendship. My, my best friend is, is Tim Lutz Jr. And one of my dad's great friends is Tim Lutz Sr. And I grew up with Timmy, and now our sons are growing up together. You can't tell me that that isn't a beautiful picture of the church. Beautiful picture of the friendships that can be found in church, amen? Yeah. I'm telling you, a small group leader, I wish it, you know, sometimes it, that, I think it creates a, a wrong picture. And more than a leader, I hope you become their first friend, their cheerleader, their encourager, not the one that's always telling them how dumb they are and, you know, and, and how wrong that relationship is. Yeah, sure, you can say that once. They won't listen to you, but go ahead, say it. And then when, when they come back to you and they tell you, you're not gonna believe it, just say, I, I told you about this. So next time I say something, listen to me. They won't, but, you know, you try. Be their number one encourager. Be there for them. I hate it when people say, oh, I'm just doing something with my small group girl or my small group guy. They have a name, and that makes them feel like a subject, not a friend. I'm hanging with my friend. If you said that on a phone conversation with them in the car, that would make their world. The best ministry always comes out of friendship, and the best ministers come out of good friendships. What did Jesus say at the end? Three and a half years with the disciples, he said, I no longer call you servants, I call you. That's the goal. That's the goal. Bible says a three-stranded cord, it's not easily broken. You need to have some people in your corner and they need to have you in theirs. No matter what, I'm with you. No matter what mistakes you make, I'm with you. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. The reason is when the enemy takes on you, he's going to take on your small group. When the enemy takes on that kid, it's going to take on the whole small group. I think about Taylor's small group, and, and those kids, they pray hardcore. And when one of them feels afflicted, <laughs> that's the word I'm going to use, the whole group meets over at Taylor's house, and they pray for each other. And I bet you that's a scary prayer. You know, those kids are serious. They all pray for each other. But I've seen that group pretty much stay, the, stay together. The kids stay in the church, growing in the church over many years, five, seven years. That doesn't happen without a group of friends that are in this together, in this with you. The goal is not to create a group of people. The goal is to create a group of friends that are in this through thick and thin. That's what Jesus did. He's the greatest leader, and that's what we're called to be. So I pray that you have a heart for small groups. But see, see the heart for a small group isn't just a heart for an abstract idea. It's a heart for individual people. I'm going to end with this, but when I first started my core out, um, with Awakening, which was my small group, I used to go around the circle and I'd say, what have you done this week to help someone? To help someone. Give me their name and who they are in our youth ministry. We'd go around the circle, no one would have anybody. They would try and reach. Well, I talked to someone on Sunday, I prayed for them at the altar. That doesn't count. That's, that's practicum time. That's church. That doesn't count. What have you done outside Youth ministry. Well, I met someone new. That's because they came to the church. You were just in the cafe at that time. What have you done, you initiated, to help someone in our small group? And so the first week, nothing. The second week, the third week. But I'm telling you, three months into it, four months into it, people were saying, well, I've got six. This was Mabel. I've got six people that I helped, you know. 
And when she would start going through, and, and Joey Santos would say, I got two people that out. And, and all of a sudden, we began to have a core, just 12 of us, that began to literally lead the entire youth ministry as a group, 40, 60, 80, 90, 100, 120, from just 12, because they began to understand it's not just about ministering in, an, in the abstract to a group. It's about actually helping real individuals that are in our church. I'm going to initiate. I'm going to seek them out. And I'm going to do whatever it is, large or small, that I can do to help. All of a sudden, our church began, our, small, our youth ministry began to be helpful and friendly and encouraging. We used to invite people like crazy. And, and we used to, when people would come, we, we applauded these first time. I mean, we just took on a whole new culture. But it came from 12, just 12, not 100, not, not 1,000. See, a lot of people are waiting for great numbers to have a great impact. But Jesus said, I'm going to have great impact because I'm going to get it right with the right people first and then let it. We go around the room and all of a sudden it was almost like when you start stirring the sauce. Three, three weeks, three months, four, all of a sudden people began to, I wouldn't even have to ask. If I forgot, they would say, I want to say who I helped this week. And the whole youth ministry began taking on that, I want to help. We started small groups. It was almost organic. It was natural because they were already happening just because we said we are here to help the individual young people in our church. Worship is powerful. Preaching is powerful. Gathering like this is powerful. But I'm telling you, I think the most powerful is small groups. If you want to make a great difference in someone's life, be a small group leader and be their small group leader for a long time. And watch who you will be able to specifically help. The last question I'll leave with you is think about this. If you could write this down. Who have you specifically helped this week? Outside of ALC, outside of church, and what I mean outside of service, give me the name. Who have you specifically made a, a, a positive impact, encouraged this week? Now, if you're a small group leader, I hope you could write six different names down within the last seven days. If you're not, I would say the first step is become a small group leader, you know? But I pray that that's in us, in our churches, in New Life, in Awakening, everything, that we could say, I could tell you who I specifically helped. And there's about 10 people, and I got four more on my list. Who have you specifically helped? Because see, small groups takes the idea of ministry, it makes it specific to the individual, and that is where it's impacting. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. If you know someone who needs to hear this, feel free to share it. For more resources from Awakening, head to awakeningconference.com or follow us on social media at Awakening. We'd love to hear from you.